0: What's up, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 11 of the Let's Go Show, where we talk about everything going on in the world of entertainment. We talk about some exciting things, and today we're gonna be talking about, you know, Shazam! Fury of the Gods, that hit theaters this weekend. We're gonna be talking about some DC stuff, some Marvel stuff, some Gladiator 2 stuff. So, sit tight. Welcome back to the Let's Go Show. Now I gotta introduce my co-host, my boy, Geo. Welcome, oh my gosh, a close-up shot.
1: Welcome, everybody. Gio. So. <laughs> Geo Shazam Hit theaters this weekend. Have have you seen Shazam? What no, do you think about it? No, I did it? not. I did not. I seen the first one. I uh, love the first one, but I don't know. I don't know if I like the first one enough to go and say I want to go see part 2, you know what I'm saying? Did you see it? Um okay, yeah, I saw the
0: first one. I saw the second one, and funny enough, I actually saw this movie 3 times before it was ever released. I got to watch two cu- two different cuts of this movie back in January of 2021 and these were two test screenings that I I had attended so having gotten that insight and having seen earlier versions of the movie and then now being able to have seen like the full theatrical version of the movie the full you know final cut it's interesting it's interesting because like the movie is so much better than the movie that was marketed. I thought the marketing for this film just did it completely dirty. It felt like Warner Brothers kind of gave up on this movie. You know what I'm saying? It felt like they gave up on this movie and started to put all of their eggs, all of their money towards marketing The Flash. And we're going to get to talking about The Flash later on because Warner Brothers is, you know, they they seem to be so confident that The Flash is going to be amazing and it's going to do amazing. And it felt like Shazam! Free of the Gods from the marketing standpoint kind of got sacrificed. In a very big way, because the marketing for Shazam Fury of the Gods was pretty damn terrible. And I thought you know, it did the movie dirty. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it lowered my expectations of seeing that final cut so much that when I actually saw the final cut of the movie, I was actually impressed. You know, I didn't I didn't walk out disappointed um, for, from the earlier cuts of the film that I s- got to see. Um, the film was Pretty much the same for the final cut. They added one fine. The, they added an extra action sequence and they actually took out a lot of stuff that had to do with, you know, Billy struggling to, I guess, grow up and see other members of his family grow up. You know, there was a huge side plot with Mary and her going to college parties. And this this there was like an entire scene of Mary going to a college party and trying to, like, I guess, be a normal college kid. And that that happens right before she shows up to their meeting where she's like drunk and she has glasses on. So there was a lot more, I guess, emotional scenes in in the original cuts that I saw, but there was a lot more action in the final cut that ended up coming out. So when it came to Shazam: Fury of the Gods, I thought this was a good time. It, this was a very standard superhero movie, in my opinion. You know, um, I I I didn't like again. It, it's I don't think it's anything revolutionary. I don't think it's anything like top tier anything like that i just think it's a a standard superhero movie and what sucks is that in today's day and age where it feels like there's a new superhero movie coming out every single week i feel like standard superhero movies you know back in the day they would do really well but now in today's day and age where, where, where we've gotten so many installments within this genre standard superhero movies aren't going to do pretty well and you know when it comes to Shazam's box office, Shazam Free of the Gods is, opens up to 30 million dollars, which is below the projections and it's below the first movies 53 million dollar 53 million dollar opening. so Shazam Free of the Gods is doing pretty poorly at the box office and there's been a lot of talk on social media in regards to are we going to see Shazam again? Um, The post-credit scenes for this film obviously allude to us seeing more Shazam in the future, but I think it's pretty clear that once the Flash resets everything and we move forward into James Gunn and Peter Safran's new DCU, I think it's very likely that we aren't going to see Shazam ever again. I think this is going to be the last time we see the Shazam family, this this entire cast, Zachary Levi in the role, which uh, again, it's just, it kind of comes at the expense of the reboot. Uh, Now, you know moving forward with a new dcu honestly i would like to see a new shazam casting and when when it comes to a character like shazam that's always a very tricky character to adapt to the big screen just because the actors grow up you know what i'm saying in the animated format you can have a young child billy batson for years and continue to do that that's why i've always thought that shazam has always been such a great character to have like his own like animated series I would love to see that for the DCU, and I think that would be a great, I think with the DCU doing animated shows, games, stuff like that, I think it would be great for us to get a Shazam animated series and have that to be the, I guess, the first entry to the DCU Shazam, who, who we would eventually see in the live action setting. But again, when it comes to a character like Shazam, it's always difficult to adapt a character like that, because the the kids are gonna grow up. A character like Shazam has a ticking time clock. And now as we move forward into the new DCU, they're already recasting a ton of different characters. So I think this is gonna be the last time we see Zachary Levi and the whole Shazam crew. Now, when it came to this actual movie, we, obviously, we had the same cast in the first movie, but we also had the additions of Rachel Zegler, uh, Lucy Liu, and Helen Mirren as the, the sisters of Atlas. And uh, Lucy Liu and Helen Mirren were the definitive villains of this movie. And there really, wasn't really any substance behind their characters at all, besides them being played by Lucy Liu and Helen Mirren. And I love them. I love both of those actresses so much. So they were the only real appeal to their characters. Besides that, their characters were very standard, like comic booky. Like, oh, I want to take, I want to take over the world and destroy everything. And I thought this movie, you know, what this movie really reminded me of, Gio, this movie really re- reminded me of like a movie that we would have gotten in like two thousand seven or two thousand five. Okay. Like a super, like a super cheesy, you know, standard like copy and paste textbook, superhero. textbook superhero
1: movie. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's what it looks like, man. Uh, that's mm-hmm. that's just basically what it looks like. And I don't know. I mean, we all know what's going on. We know DC is getting rebooted. I loved the first Shazam. It caught me by surprise. Uh, I don't know if you did. I thought it was great. It was like big with superpowers. If you love big, you'll mm-hmm. love Shazam, the first one. It was good. But um, I didn't love it enough to say like, oh my God, I got to see the sequel. You know what I mean? So I don't know. Everything you're saying is kind of what I was expecting. And I think that's why it's even showing in the box office numbers. So um, I have nothing against the guy who's playing the guy. I think he's doing a good job, but uh, I don't know. I think it's just time to uh, restart. I think this movie is just a little, it's just a case of too little too late. You know, maybe mm-hmm. if it came out a couple of years ago, it would have been a little more relevant. Yeah. I just think this movie is wrong place, wrong time.
0: And that's it. Yeah. And, and look, I want to make it very clear that I enjoyed this movie. Like I had a good time. Like if you look, if you have nothing to do this weekend, I think if you go watch Shazam, Shazam Fury of the Gods, you're gonna have a good time. I think, you know, for a lot of the reactions I've seen from a lot of mutual friends and other creators on Twitter, like a lot of people have kind of shared the same sentiment that like this movie is kind of better than they expected because our expectations were already on the floor. So when it came and and now, and like I, this was such a poor time for this movie to come out, because again, in a day and age where we were getting superhero projects every day of the week, a standard superhero movie isn't going to cut it and not only was the marketing dirty but this specifically is a month where you have creed 3 you have scream 6 we're about to get john wick dungeons and dragons which is getting rave reviews like this is just such a stacked month in general I think Shazam is actually getting outperformed by 65, which is like an Adam Driver sci-fi thriller. So March was just always such a stacked month of movies. And in a day and age where, again, post-pandemic, there's a lot of people that are going to be waiting that are gonna be waiting for this movie to hit HBO Max or for it to you know go on home video. There's there, there's a lot of people that are more hesitant to go out there and spend their money on going to see movies than it was pre-pandemic. So in order to get people out of the house and go get them to get their butts into theaters, you're gonna to have to go out there and put make something freaking special, not just a standard superhero movie. Very well like Geo for, for for you who you have, you know, you have a whole family, you have kids. For, for you, it's it's very expensive to go out there and, and, you know, go to the theaters and pay for a ticket for every single member of your family. You know, it's like a, it's a, nowadays it's a very expensive experience. So if you're going to go out there and make that investment, it can't be for a standard, you know, copy and paste superhero movie. It has to be there for something special. Now, are you probably going to have a good time watching this movie? One thousand percent. But it, it, uh, it's like, again, I, I don't think it's like. Really worth like 200 bucks or the 150 bucks, 100 bucks that you're going to spend in taking out your entire family to go watch this movie. On top of the fact that there's movies like Creed 3, there's Scream 6, there's Dungeons and Dragons, there's John Wick. Like there's so many movies in theaters right now that are competing against Shazam for of the Gods. And that's why if we look at the box office numbers, it's kind of just sinking below sinking sink it's just drowning at the box office right now not drowning in money it's it's drowning in nothing you know it's drowning among, uh, alongside all of the other competitive films that are in theaters right now so overall i enjoyed Shaz- shazam Fury of the gods i think it's a damn good time if you're you know just one fan and you're a fan of the dc universe and you have nothing to do this weekend obviously go see this movie i think you're gonna have a great time for me the standouts in this film were rachel zegler and jacqueline grazier i thought they were fantastic um now, the, when it comes to Shazam, I'm I'm a I'm a big Shazam guy, but honestly, I didn't like I don't like the way Zachary Levi plays Shazam because it it just feels like a completely different character from Asher Angel's Billy Batson. Like Asher Angel's Billy Batson is like very mature and he's very serious, and then Zachary and then he turns into Shazam, and Zach it's like Zachary Levi acting as a kid. Um, which is like the whole point of Shazam. But again, it's always been weird to me that they feel like two completely different characters. Like when I see Zachary Levi on screen, I'm not thinking that this this is Asher Angel's Billy Batson. You know what I'm saying? There's just a huge discrepancy between the both performances. So I hope that as we move forward into this new DCU and we're probably going to get a new Shazam at some point, there is more of a connection between the two actors that play both Billy and Captain Marvel. So... Yeah, moving moving on for Shazam. I want to talk about the movie that Warner Brothers is going all in on, all in on, which is the Flash. Now we got some Flash news, news Geo, because Tom Cruise went to David Zaslav, the CEO of Warner Brothers Discovery, and he said, "Yo, I want to watch the Flash." And after Tom Cruise watched the Flash, he loved it. He loved the movie and he even called the, the director Andy Muschietti and he was like just raving to him about how much he loved the movie. And this is a direct quote from Tom Tom Cruise. He said, this is the type of movie we need right now. Now, after this news came out, I don't know if this is Warner Brothers just trying to drown out the negativity of the Shazam's performance with just more promo for The Flash that, you know, they're going all in on. But Tom Cruise loving The Flash That is definitely an endorsement. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's going to get butts in seats. Gio, what are your thoughts? (laughs) My thoughts
1: are, man, I wish I was Tom Cruise. Everybody's dying to see this movie because we know it's going to be fire. And what kind of power Tom Cruise got, man. That guy runs Hollywood. Hey, I want to watch this movie. Can you just send it to me? Guy just got like a Google Drive link sent to his house. He put it in probably his movie theater room in his mansion house. Tom Cruise is a freaking baller, man. Guy's jumping out of planes. Besides me eating Tom Cruise butthole for... 10 seconds just now. I think the flash is going to be something special. I really think it is because it's one of those movies that just had so many chances. You know what I mean? It had so many chances to get it right and that they they weren't going to go forward with it unless they felt like it was absolutely necessary. Uh, I really don't think that this is a money grab. I even think the worst case scenario of this movie is still going to be a good movie. So I'm really, really excited to see it. And Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise just put the stamp on it for everybody.
0: 1,000%. And it's crazy, like, with everything that The Flash has been through, this is going to be this. And I, I think so many people are sleeping on Blue Beetle. Just wait till we get a little taste of Blue Beetle. That's my most anticipated movie of 2023. So I'm super excited about that. But it's crazy how Warner Brothers is like, they're going all in on this movie. You know what I'm saying? They are going all in on The Flash. And this movie is debuting in April at CinemaCon. So next month we're going to start getting the early reviews and early reactions for the flash and Tom Cruise raving about the flash it isn't something I expected on my bingo card but here we are and it you know it's definitely gets me more excited for this movie because Tom Cruise like you said Geo he is such a cinephile. he loves movies he's so great at making movies and he kind of in a in a in a huge way you know credit to Steven Spielberg but Steven Spielberg said it best he kind of said that Tom Cruise saved the theater experience with Top Gun Maverick. And, you know, obviously we had Spider-Man No Way Home. We had Avatar The Way of Water. But Top Gun Maverick was such a, it's one of the biggest movies to come out post-pandemic. And it was definitely such a special movie that got a lot of people out of their houses, into their theaters to have that, in theater experience so for him to say this about the flash in a day and age where it feels like everyone in hollywood is kind of shitting on superhero movies and the superhero genre for tom cruise to rave about this movie and say this is the type of movie we need right now that is an endorsement and bro if Warner brothers uses that quote in their marketing they won't they definitely won't they should But but if they were that would be something that will get people to
1: cop tickets. I guarantee you that. I I guarantee that right now. If we so, got you suits and yeah, yeah. a quote for Cree Three, I'm more than sure they're gonna put Tom Cruise and the quote for a TV spot for the Flash, bro. They're gonna they're gonna <laughs> have to do it.
0: I, I I don't think they will, but you know, just even seeing those headlines on social media, it's got a, it's got a lot of people talking, and it's got it's definitely a. You know, it's definitely a great sign for a movie like The Flash. This m- movie needs all of the positive juju they can get. This movie needs all of the positive juju it can get right now. Because when it comes to the movie like The Flash, there's a lot of negativity that can be talked about when it comes to oh, this yeah. movie behind the scenes. You know what I'm saying? So, this The Flash is going to be a movie that ends... The dceu this is the conclusion this is something we're all super excited to see but now let's talk about the movie that's going to start the dcu which is superman legacy and this week we got some pretty big news that isn't really surprising whatsoever but james gunn has officially announced on twitter that he himself is directing superman legacy and he posted a super heartfelt twitter thread talking about you know how Uh, you know, his relationship with his dad and uh, his dad always supported his love for film and comics and how, you know, this movie is actually coming out on his dad's birthday and his dad passed away three years ago. So James, this movie is very special for James. And I think it's James Gunn has guts, dude. He has guts to take on a movie like this because first of all, this is the most important DC movie. This is going to be the movie that sets the tone for the rest of the new DCU. And if this movie fails, the the consequences are going to be catastrophic. You know what I'm saying? After everything that the DC universe has gone through over the past 10 years, they've gone through, it's gone through a lot of shit to say the least. So now that we finally have some sense of like, finally, there's some guidance. There's a vision behind this universe. Now, if you open up. This universe with a flop, and it's Superman. It's your biggest superhero. It's the biggest character you got at DC. you This movie fails. It's going to be catastrophic for DC and the new DCU. I think this movie has to come out there, and it has. It, it can't be good. It has to be great. It has to, you know, it has to be well received amongst fans, amongst critics, and it has to make money at the box office. Because at the end of the day, you know, these movies got to make money, and Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers is in the business of making money and they don't have a lot of money right now so that when it comes to the dcu i i really hope that superman legacy is just the ultimate hit this is my most anticipated film announced over secret wars over kang dynasty fantastic four the batman part two superman legacy you guys know how i feel about this character and this is a fresh start for superman so with james gun coming on to direct this project i think it takes a lot of guts because not only is he the writer not only is he the director He's the freaking CEO of all of DC. So it's not like a Zack Snyder situation where it's where it's like if you look at a film like Batman versus Superman, Zack Snyder was the creative force behind that, but the studio interfered. When it came to the Justice League movie, Zack Snyder was the creative force behind that until the studio interfered and completely changed up his vision and his movie. So now that we're starting new with the DCU, you that's not an excuse because. James Gunn is the writer, director, and guess what? He's also the head of the freaking studio. So there's not going to be anyone coming in to interfere or tell him what to do or what not to do. He's the guy that's in charge of all of this. So this movie has to be a bop. Gio, what do you think about this news about James Gunn directing Superman Legacy?
1: I think it's freaking baller. I think him and Tom Cruise are killing it, man. I mean, that's something we all expected. We knew it was going to happen. But, I mean, to have that kind of faith and confidence in yourself to where, like, okay, I'm not only going to oversee all of this, but I also want to direct our most important character and write for him as well. Yeah. I mean, James Gunn h- had some, you know, not so perfect movies and then had some masterpieces. Um, but if there's anybody who, who needs a savior right now, it's DC and, and James, Gunn, James Gunn is coming in, man, and he's getting to work. Um, I think he's a fan above all uh, he's a fan above all else like we are. Um, Mm -hmm. I think he's more into Superman than possibly I am. I don't know about you, Matt, but he's into it. He's watching the comics. He's watching. He's reading the comics. He's probably watching animations. And uh, I'll tell you what, it's it's, it's a risk. He's taking a a big risk by doing this because he's overwhelming himself. And by putting too much uh, attention on one thing might suppress the other. But I think it's a risk that he has to take, Matt, because it's such an important character that's been dirty yeah. for too many years, bro. Mm-hmm. So he's got to do it. It is what it is. I mean, this is why DC hired him to fix everything. And he knows, we all know, Superman's the most important character to that. Um, he needs a movie that's done right. He needs, a, he, needs, he needs his own Dark Knight. And I think James Gunn is going to give it to him. But I just, it's just scary for me, my perspective, because i never seen James Gunn. Take a, a role so seriously or a movie so seriously or characters so seriously. You think of a movie like The Suicide Squad and Guardians of the Galaxy. Those are all just, you know, fun, disposable, mess around characters that also have heart and emotion that you grow to that you didn't even know. Mm-hmm. This is a big name. This is a big IP. Yeah. It's Superman. So we never seen him handle a character with a name as big as Superman. So mm-hmm. that's also kind of scary. But at the same time, he has a lot of confidence. You can tell that he's very, very excited and he's eager. He's like a fan that just wants to spoil his own stuff. He's he's on Twitter. He's communicating with the fans. Like, he's very eager. He's a very eager fan. He's very excited about what he's doing. And I don't know. I don't think this can flop. I don't think it will flop.
0: Gio, and you bring up a great point. Because, you know, with all of the superhero, with all of the big superhero projects that James Gunn has directed, like, he didn't have that much pressure on those projects because the characters that he's handling aren't characters that the general audience that general audiences already know and love. These are characters that they don't know and love, but then by watching James Gunn's movies, they get to grow and grow and know and they get to like grow to love these characters. Whereas with a character like Superman, this is already a character that the entire world loves. And they already know him. Everyone knows who Superman is. He's the most popular superhero. And he he's he's the most important superhero. So when it comes to a character like Superman, this isn't Polka Dot Man. This isn't Ratcatcher 2. This isn't Peacemaker. This isn't Vigilante. This isn't freaking Star-Lord or the Guardians of the Galaxy. No, this is the top of the top. So, you know, when it comes to all of the James Gunn's Marvel, his Marvel and DC track record, this is the first time he's dealing with a mark, like the most marquee name out there amongst the superhero genre. And... This is now he has like the most pressure in the world because, again, he can't blame it on anyone else. And James Gunn directing this project again, kudos to James Gunn, because that's a lot to take on, man, because not only is he writing and directing this movie, but he's also as the CEO of DC. He's also managing everything else. He's also managing the creative side of all of the other projects that we're going to see brought to life over the next couple of years. So. This is a lot for him to take on. But at the same time, as a fan, it also gives me a lot of hope because for the for for someone like James Gunn, who, again, has to manage so many different projects for him to say, all right, I got a lot on my plate. But guess what? The biggest priority we have at DC Studios right now is Superman. So even though we got a lot going on right now. I'm putting my main focus and all of my energy towards writing and directing and bringing Superman to life in a a way that, you know, audiences haven't seen in a very long time. As much as I love Henry Cavill, you guys know I freaking love Henry Cavill. I have posters of of him all around this room. I love Henry Cavill, but this Superman that we're going to get is going to be a Superman that is straight out of the comics, that is lighthearted, that is, you know, I think he's going to be campy and cheesy, kind of following that that Christopher Reeve, OG Superman energy. And uh, I, I think, uh, I think again, this it's not that I think this movie needs to be a success. And now with James Gunn directing, which is something that we all kind of expected, I think this is why it kind of took him so long to announce that he was directing or to to even take on that directing job because su- uh, James Gunn has been writing Superman legacy since way before he he was even he even signed on to be the CEO of DC Studios. So the fact that it's taken James Gunn this long to finally take on that directing job it shows him stepping up to the plate, him accepting this responsibility and now all eyes are on him because this is going to be the most important movie that DC has on their slate right now. The Batman, the bat, you know, you, you have the entire Batman franchise. That is is a masterpiece in itself. Matt Reeves can do whatever he wants there, but this you have the weight in, of an enti- entire future of the DC universe on this movie right here, on this character, and James Gunn has to deliver with this movie. So again, a lot is on his plate. A lot is a lot is on this movie, and I need this movie to be a success because if it's not, I don't know what I'm gonna do. After <laughs> taking
1: in <I've> throughout <laughs> DC fans over the years, you're looking all over the room. You're looking at all your Superman art. You're just stressing out. <laughs> you're just stressing, bro. Listen like, to me, bro. You can look at it that way. You can look at it that way in a stressful, panic way. Even though you're not a negative guy, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying there's two ways to look at it. There's a way where you can look at it like, man, this is a lot of pressure. I don't know if he's going to do it. There's so much he's got to do. And then you can look at it in the light way, which is if he could take characters like of that man, and uh, Peacemaker, and uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, and make us love these characters, and make you buy a Peacemaker helmet in the back of your house, and make you watch the series. If if he could take those characters that nobody gave a shit about, let's just cut it, let's just say it how it is. A majority mm-hmm. of people didn't care about and make us love them, then you know what could he do with a character we love? You understand? There's two ways to look at it. So that's a great point. That's think, a great point. I think that he's a fan above all else. And he proved that to us with his movies. Um and he proved that to us on Twitter. He's he's been proving that to us. Every day he proves that to us. So I don't I don't really think it's it's anything to be stressed about. It's just something oh. to think about because it's the first time he's ever had uh, an IP or pressure like he has right now. But I think he's I think he's ready for it. And we're and we and we're uh, completely ignoring the fact that Peter Saffron's right there on his side, helping him yeah. pick up the weight, pick up the load, helping him. You know, uh, you you write this movie, you direct it. That's our bread and butter. I'll do everything else. Just tell me what to do, and I'll do it. You know, what I mean, he's got a right hand man. Uh, he's got people backing him. So. I think we're in for a treat, man. I just, I'm just so curious to know what the tone of this movie is going to be. That's what I'm scared of. Because that, that means everything.
0: When it comes to what James Gunn has done in the past, like, all of James Gunn's movies have been infused with so much heart. and And that's why we've grown to love characters that, you know, the majority of general audiences didn't even know existed in the past. Like... For 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 me who like I, I didn't know who the hell like Rat Catcher was. For me to watch the Suicide Squad, and then by the end of the movie, I'm like, dude, I love Rat, Rat Catcher too. Or I love Peacemaker, or uh I, I love Blood Sport, I, I love Polka Dot Man, I love King Shark, all of this stuff. Like for us to, to say that after watching Guardians of the Galaxy, after watching the Suicide Squad, after watching Peacemaker, like James Gunn writes and he creates with so much heart and passion with everything he does. So that's why I'm excited for him to take on Superman legacy. And I think with him writing the project, he is the right guy to direct it. Um so I'm super happy that James Gunn is taking on this project. But again, as a DC fan, having been having been through a lot of the a lot of changes the past couple of years, having having been through a lot of ups and downs, mainly downs, um having been through so much over the years, it's kind of like, all right, we're done talking like, you know, talking isn't going to impress us. We, you got to show up and you got to deliver. And for me, it's kind of, I got to kind of like see it to believe it. And, you know, it's been, you know, it's happened so many times in the past where it feels like as DC fans, like the stars align for us in the best way possible. And then boom neck, like something changes and everything else changes. And we're going in a completely different direction. And it's a total 180 from where we were before. So James Gunn is writing and directing Superman legacy. And, Again, I'm excited, but I'm also skeptical because as DC fans, we've been through a lot. So I really hope this movie delivers because it has the weight of an entire future of the DC universe on its shoulders. Now, moving over into the Marvel section, we've talked about you know a lot of DC stuff on today's episode, but we got some Marvel rumors to talk about, Gio. So some Marvel rumors have been going around on Twitter, on social media. It is currently rumored that a Mephisto Disney Plus special is currently filming alongside Agatha Coven of Chaos, which has been filming for quite some time now. Mm -hmm. Sasha Baron Cohen is rumored to be playing Mephisto. And yeah, this is going to be a Mephisto Disney Plus special to eventually hit Disney Plus. I assume it'll probably come out in around like Halloween 2024, maybe. Gio, what do you think about, you know, the potential of seeing a Mephisto Disney Plus special and seeing Sasha Baron Cohen take on that role?
1: I don't know, (laughs) man. i don't know know how to feel about that that's freaking you just blew my mind i'm finding out about it right now bro shit it feels like we've we we made so many rumors about it in wandavision that disney heard it and you're like all right let's give this guy Mm -hmm. let's give him let's give him his own show uh sasha is gonna be the lead oh my goodness i don't know bro this sounds freaked out this one sounds sketchy it's coming it's a it's a presentation right it's a special like they did with werewolf
0: yeah, yeah, okay. it's gonna be that. That's that's the rumor that's going around that the, it's gonna be a, a its own Mephisto special presentation, and that excites me, Gio, because you know I loved World of My Night, I also love the Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special, and I'm I'm more excited about us seeing more specials
1: on Disney Plus yeah, than 100%. actual like
0: series. Actually, from I, from Marvel,
1: I think that's where they're realizing that they that they're starting to excel. I think that's what that's where Disney Plus has been excelling at is their presentations. I think that's my favorite thing that they put out. Besides um, besides Loki and WandaVision, mm-hmm. the only other things that I really thought was like prime Marvel stuff was uh, Werewolf by Night, um, Moon Knight, and um, Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I like that it's a special, but when you just said that, it just like, it hurt my brain. Like, what is this going to look like? Like, I, you know what I'm saying? Like, what is that going to be?
0: Yeah. Um, so when it comes to a character like Mephisto, I feel like Marvel kind of just heard all of our Wandavision theories, and they're like, "All right, it's time now. Now it's, it's go time. We need we need Mephisto. We need to introduce Mephisto into the MCU." And the fact that this is filming alongside something like Agatha, Coven of Chaos, means we'll probably see Mephisto in Agatha, Coven of Chaos. Um, Mephisto isn't just a one and done villain. I think this is going to be a character we see appear in a lot of different things, and. I think with an introduction to a character like Mephisto, I think that kind of sets up a character like Wanda Maximoff to return to the MCU in a pretty big way. Kevin Feige has already said multiple times in the past that we are going to see more of Wanda in the future, and there's still so much story to tell with her. So with a character being introduced like Mephisto and with him getting his own Disney Plus special, I think that also sets up Wanda to, to come back and you know have that matchup at some point. Um, but with a character like Mephisto, Again, I think this is going to be a pretty big character that we see seen appear in appear in multiple projects, and I wouldn't be honestly, I wouldn't even be surprised if we see Mephisto still appearing past Secret Wars. Gio, I wanted to also bring this up to you because this is kind of something I started thinking about when I heard heard about this rumor. Is that when it when it came to Endgame, Endgame was so definitive for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It was such a great ending to a, an entire decade worth of movies. And after Endgame, a lot of people, you know, and I'm not talking about myself. I'm talking about general audiences. I feel like after Endgame, a lot of people kind of checked out. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people checked yeah. out. And now there's there's a lot of people kind of waiting on the sidelines, waiting for Marvel to, I guess, start that momentum up, up again yeah. and start the, start the hype train up again. Because Endgame ended and then it was kind of like, all right, we got Black Widow, Shang-Chi, Eternals. And all of those projects, I enjoyed all of those projects, but they're also separated and disconnected. And I think that kind of like that kind that was kind of a turnoff for a lot of uh, the general audience. Um, Even though, again, I loved all of those projects, I think it's been difficult for Marvel to reignite that like super fiery momentum that they had throughout the majority of the Infinity Saga, where it felt like again every single movie was leading into the next. It was just hype, hype hype for every single one of their releases whereas like now the Marvel hype it feels like it's kind of died down a bit and it feels it doesn't feel like they have that same momentum and it's going to be hard to replicate that so the reason I say this is I don't think Secret Wars is going to be as definitive of an ending as we think it's going to be even though it's the ending to the multiverse saga I think within Secret Wars there's still, or within just this saga in general, we're Marvel's going to set up so many different characters and so many different storylines that we're going to see continue beyond Secret Wars. You know, whatever they're doing with the Eternals and the Celestials, that'll probably continue past Secret Wars. Um, so, uh, when you have a character like Mephisto, this is a character that we can see in multiple projects within this kind of corner of the MCU with like the wizards, sorcerers, all of that stuff. Maybe we get a Midnight Suns movie in like phase seven or phase eight and mephisto's the villain of that movie so i think marvel is planting the seeds for us to see more storylines take place beyond secret wars and not have secret wars be such a definitive ending because i think marvel has realized how hard it is to again reignite general audiences to be excited for every single one of their releases and carry forward that electric momentum that they had back in the past
1: i think that's what they're aiming for i think you're 100 on it i think it's not going to be the end i think it's going to be i think they're aiming for a reboot to continue these stories on their own path because it's so big like you you, the x-men the x-men can have its entire mcu just the x-men alone can have its mcu you know what i'm saying and i think that's what they're starting to realize is that instead of kind of continuing it exactly. They're they're kind of trying to end what they started while also rebooting it. You understand what I'm trying to say? And I think that's yeah. what they're aiming for.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like I obviously Secret Wars will be, you know, a massive conclusion for for the multiverse story where we probably see a ton of, you know, different, different um char- characters and variants of characters from the past. But at the same time, I don't think everything is going to be resolved from all of the different storylines that we've seen the MCU introducing and building. Because Phase 4, and now including, uh, you know, ant and the Wasp Quantumania and, and Phase 5, um, like, they've set up so many different storylines in so many different places across the MCU. Because a lot of the projects have been very, I guess... Very disconnected, you know what I'm saying? Like Black Widow takes place in its own pocket of the MCU. Shang Chi takes place in its own pocket. Eternals takes place in its own pocket. Thor: Love and Thunder in its own pocket. um Now, even if we look at the the MCU movies taking place this year, Guardians, it's happen- happening happening in its own corner. The Marvels, it's happening in, the, in its own corner. And that stuff isn't going to connect to ant and the Wasp: Quantum Mania, and it's not going to really interact with that, or you know, so it seems. So. The MCU has set up so many different storylines that as we move forward with the introduction of characters like Mephisto, I think this is going to be a character we see in the MCU for years to come, beyond uh the ending of Secret Wars and Phase Six. Because I don't again, Mephisto isn't the type of villain that you're gonna that is gonna be the next Kang or the next Thanos. But Mephisto is a big enough of a character to assemble an entire little corner of the MCU. Again, I can see an entire Midnight Suns movie. Or yeah, I can see an entire Midnight Suns movie where Mephisto is the big bad, and they've been building up to that for years on Disney Plus across multiple projects. Whether it's Agatha, Coven of Chaos, a Mephisto special, maybe a Scarlet Witch solo movie, uh, Doctor Strange three, who knows? But yeah, I think we're going to see this across. I think I think we're going to start to see this a lot more with Marvel. And Gio, you brought up a great point when it came to when it comes to a movie like Secret Wars. Marvel is very much going to tease more of the future with the Fantastic Four, the introduction of the MCU X-Men. So Secret Wars isn't going to be as definitive of an ending as Endgame was. And I think that's what's I think that's going to be the case. But let me know what you guys think. Do you you guys think Marvel has kind of realized that, you know, they shouldn't have such definitive endings with the end of their sagas? Because, again, it's harder to, I guess, reignite that momentum for the next saga let me know what you guys think because i I think it's a very interesting conversation and it's going to be interesting to see how marvel moves forward with the ending of the multiverse saga and while also setting up the future and again trying to to keep that electrical momentum moving forward with each and every one of their projects another project that's rumored to be in development is a silver surfer disney plus special now a silver surfer special would definitely connect to the fantastic four mcu movie and geo when you talk about characters that i am excited to see come to the mcu silver surfer is one of them i think if yeah. that gets announced tomorrow everyone is going to be hyped for
1: that yeah i when couldn't it, agree anymore
0: and, and and when it comes to, like, general audiences and, and like, I guess, diehard Marvel fans, like, I don't think the the general audience is hyped for something like Echo right now because we haven't seen anything about Echo. Echo is going to be a Disney Plus series. Obviously, we're going to see Charlie Cox's Daredevil in that, Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin, and that'll lead into Daredevil Born Again. But Echo isn't a marquee name. Am I still excited for the show? 1,000%, but Echo isn't necessarily a marquee name, but Silver Surfer is. You know what I'm saying? Silver Surfer could get his own movie and like, we would all show up for that. But for him to get his own Disney Plus special, that's something that really excites me. And I think Marvel has, again, with Werewolf by Night, Marvel really proved that, that ha- I think that has been the most effective way to introduce new characters to the MCU. And I'd rather see a disney plus special than a six episode disney plus series so world finite was such a great way for marvel to introduce that character into the mcu and i hope we see something like that with a character like silver surfer leading into fantastic four and with a character like silver surfer talking about villains marvel will probably set up for the future with the introduction of someone like silver surfer galactus isn't very far behind and i think we, I mean, not I think Galactus is inevitable. We will see Galactus in the MCU at some point. And with the the introduction and with the idea of us getting a Silver Surfer Disney Plus special, not only does that tie into the Fantastic Four, that also ties into to Galactus, and maybe that ties into what's going on with the Eternals because the Eternals that's been such a very huge cosmic That The the Eternals story has been on such a huge cosmic scale. So maybe that ties into the Eternals and the Celestials. Maybe that ties into the Marvels because we know the Marvels is another very cosmic space-based story. But Gio, what do you think about us getting a Silver Surfer Disney Plus special and how that could connect to the Fantastic Four, Galactus, Eternals,
1: and maybe even the Marvels? I think it's about damn time. In the words of LeBron, the words of Lizzo. I think it's about damn time. I mean, you have some of the strongest IP characters that that haven't been touched on, graced on, that people are starting to forget about even. Like people who are mainly into TV shows and movies like I am um, that are just starting to forget about. And you you have such amazing characters. Uh, You also forgot to mention uh, Dr. Doom being one of those villains that they set up to be a big bad, uh, which could be a major villain, Dr. Doom. Uh, I think Mm -hmm. he's been done dirty in every TV or movie show that – He's been on so far. So, uh, silver surfer, Disney plus special, give us that, you know, I mean, I'm not saying keep the Mephesto project, but we'd much rather see that. I mean, give us stuff that, you know what I mean? With these big names, like I honestly feel in my heart that if peacemaker had a show that did phenomenally, uh, phenomenally well, why, why can't Deadpool have a a Disney show? I mean, the guy's been at Disney for so long. Um, And it's like, you know, I mean, until until his announcement that he made on his YouTube channel that Disney didn't really promote, I really felt like Deadpool, like it was like, like they were trying to wither him out almost. Um, Give us characters like that. Give give us these big IP names. You know what I mean? And best. I I, I think we both agreed that a special is the best way to introduce them. You know, give us a special instead of a six episode show or give us an hour and 30 minute movie or a two and a half hour movie instead of. Uh, a six episode show. Um, and uh, one more thing I want to say before I come back to you is that I do feel a lot of the electricity was that 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 people are feeling died down with Marvel was kind of inevitable. In the words of Thanos himself, like, it was something that was bound to happen. After 22 or 24 movies, um, you're, you're going to start feeling some fatigue. And it, it's, you know, it's, it's just bound to happen. But I think uh, the main problem that they're that they're having right now is not only the connectivity, but just focusing on the main story, because it seems like whenever they're not whenever they're focusing on connectivity, the story is lacking. And it feels like whenever the story is strong, the connectivity doesn't make sense. So it it seems like that's where they lost their 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 balance post uh, endgame, which they kind of brought us back a little bit with, with WandaVision and Loki. Uh, that hype was coming back and then they kind of just like left so many things just like unwithered, you know what I mean? Since then, which hopefully will get redeemed in Loki season two. Um, but yeah, that, that's how I feel about Silver Surfer and all those many words. I'm ecstatic and it's a step in the right direction and I hope it lands because if it's true, it's a rumor, but if it's true, it'll be, it's, it's exactly what we need right now.
0: Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think if you're not going to give Silver Surfer his own movie, like his own big budget movie, but Disney Plus special is the best way to introduce that character. And imagine, imagine a Silver Surfer, the Silver Surfer special dropping right before Fantastic Four. That'd be so hype! Like leading into that movie, and that'd be a great way to set that up. Now that the MCU has so much more to juggle than they did during the Infinity Saga, I think using something like the special format to to be like a little teaser right before a big movie, that'd be a great way to. Uh, Like, again, recreate recreate that electric momentum where it feels like, again, this project is leading right into this one. Black Widow. Black Widow did such a great job. You know, I don't think people give enough credit to Black Widow for this, but Black Widow was the first movie to open up phase four. It was the first movie that Marvel returned to theaters with. And at the end of Black Widow, we saw that post credit scene leading right into the Hawkeye series. And once everyone saw that, infinitely got us way more excited for Hawkeye knowing that we were going to see someone like Florence Pugh coming to kill Clint Barton because she thinks that you know he killed Natasha so I think uh again kind of using that using that like dynamic format where you're using these projects to to I guess, get us hyped for the next one. And Gio, you kind of said it best. Like Marvel, it feels like Marvel has kind of like lost their way of balancing connectivity and great standalone storytelling. Because when it came to the Infinity Saga, you know, we would get standalone projects, but... Marvel did such a great way of integrating those projects very quickly into the greater story. You know, we got Ant-Man, but guess what? In the post-credit scene of Ant-Man, it set him up to be seamlessly in- introduced into the greater MCU in Captain America: Civil War one year later. So now that we got uh, again a greater MCU, uh, a greater and bigger MCU with so many more different storylines, utilizing the specials format and having that connect into the movies like that are coming out like soon no, i'm not saying that the silver special surfer special should come out let's say i mean this is unrealistic and this is just hypothetically speaking but let's say the silver surfer special comes out this october like it would make sense i think it would make a lot more sense for it to come out let's say december 2023 and then boom we got fantastic for february 2024 it's like just using that momentum and creating yes. that momentum and hype yeah for the I, project. I agree if man, a silver surf if a silver surfer special were to come out let's say next month and then it sets up fantastic four, but we got to wait freaking two years for fantastic four or fantastic four comes out in 2025. So yeah, we got to wait two years for fantastic four. That, that would be the momentum is going to die out after those two years. You know what I'm saying? So like the infinity saga had such a great back to back to back. Every single project led right into the next one. And I think, uh, again using a special like this and using this format would be would do would go a long way for marvel so introduce yeah. us getting a mephisto special and having that lead into agatha coven of chaos maybe us getting a silver server special having that lead into fantastic four yes that excites me they, a lot
1: they need to they need to what they what they struggled with disney plus is utilizing the connectivity they they're not really sure how to exactly use a platform to connect stuff and honestly to make the best top tier, we talked about this before, premium content like HBO is doing and all these other streaming services. And the reason why I brought that up to you is because I know a lot of people will come after you, uh, you personally, I'm talking about you, Matt, like they will come after you in the comments, they'll come after you, and they'll say, oh, you just you're, you're cameo hungry. uh, But then when you get to cameos, you're not happy. That's not entirely true. Because in the first saga, like we just said, they balanced that perfectly. You know, it wasn't necessary to get cameos, but they gave them to you and they set up what was happening next and post credit scenes and things. They were doing things that all aligned with a story. Whereas if now it's like I said earlier, it feels like either they're heavy on cameos and they don't care about stories and connectivity or the story is good, but it doesn't mean anything and it doesn't connect anywhere for another like 10 years. So it just, that's where I feel Marvel lost its magic. And I know for sure it could be brought back. I mean, it's Marvel. They did something that no one wanted. No one, you know, was expecting that, that, that every studio would have declined at one point in time. And they did it. They proved their self. I mean, DC's still trying to catch up with them. They have the power They have the assets, they have the money, they have the talent. They just need to, like we said before, take their time, man. Just relax. There's no, there's no rush to get these projects out. All these delays that they're saying that are coming are great. They're good news because like you said before, better effects, better story. I think they're taking a step in the right direction, and I hope that the silver uh, surfer rumor is true because if it is, that's going to be a banger. It's going to be fire. And, um, yeah, man, I think once they figure out how to balance Matt, their, what they had before, once they get that balance back, it's off to the races, focusing on amazing stories that also connect to the next one. But that's not the main priority. It just also – you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. No, for sure. Have. So, yeah, I guess just to move on from Marvel, let's talk about Gladiator 2, man. This is a movie that is climbing climbing my ranks in terms of excitement because Gladiator 2 has added two superstars to their cast. So Ridley Scott, who directed the first Gladiator movie, he is returning to make Gladiator 2. This is a sequel that's not needed, but you could also make the argument that no sequel was ever needed. So when it comes to Gladiator 2, this movie is starring Paul Mescal, who's just coming off of a a Best Actor nomination for his performance in Aftersun. Paul Mescal, and he's going to be playing Lucius, who this is a grown-up version of the kid from the first movie. So he's going to be a a grown-up version of Lucius. And now, Gladiator 2 has added Barry Keoghan and denzel washington to the cast barry keoghan wow. is going to be play- barry keoghan is going to be playing general Geta, and we still don't know which character character details are being kept under wraps for denzel washington but the fact that he's joining onto this cast and he's working again with ridley scott after he, they were, both worked on uh, american gangster together this is very exciting, and this is an all-star cast, if you if, if you ask me. You have Paul Mescal, who's coming off of a Best Actor nomination. Barry Keoghan is coming off of a, a Best Supporting Actor nomination. And then you have one of the goats of the goats, Denzel Washington, coming to play a supporting role in this film. Gio, what comes to your mind, and how does that affect your excitement for something like Gladiator 2 now knowing that we're going be get, to be getting Barry Keoghan and Denzel Washington alongside Paul Mescal in this movie?
1: Sounds like freaking peak cinema. That's what it sounds like. Ridley Scott is an absolute mastermind. Um, And yeah, we can argue the fact that part twos are not needed. Of course we can argue that fact, but then you don't like movies. Who wouldn't want to see a sequel? You know what I'm saying? Could it be a a money grab as well? Because you know, Gladiator did so well and we're running out of ideas. Yeah, absolutely it could, but is it going to be bad? No way. No way in the world with that stack cast and with Ridley Scott. By the way, if you guys are a fan of this genre and you guys are a fan of Ridley Scott or what he's done before with the old gladiator and the Martian and and Blade Runner, um, I really, 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 Matt, you too. If you're not watching anything tonight, if you got no plans tonight, you too. I recommend everybody go watch The Last Duel by Ridley Scott. Oh my God. The last There's so many people who didn't watch that movie, Matt. There's so many people who won't watch it. And it's the, the last.
0: Wait. Wait, the, the last duel with uh, Ben Bradley Affleck, Scott. Matt Damon. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. You see yeah, it? yeah. That that movie was sick. I, movie yeah. It was remember. unbelievable. I, movie yeah. was unbelievable. I got no hype. Nobody talked about it. I, I know. it flopped, it flopped in the box office. And it just it, it broke my heart. Chris Duckman said this. He said it best. He said, We always our, our most common saying, Matt, is man, they don't make them like they used to anymore. But the last duel was an instant classic. It felt like a movie that came out, like it felt like a movie that was a movie you know what I mean (laughs) it was a movie and we all right Harry Styles no nobody nobody watched it nobody watched it you know what I'm saying it was an actual movie it felt like
0: (laughs) dude another thing too is that this movie is coming out November 22nd 2024 and when you have a cast like Paul Mescal, Barry Keoghan, Denzel Washington and a director like Ridley Scott Dude, this movie is bound to make some noise come award season, especially since it's coming out in November. um, Right there, right before the Oscars, it's just like the perfect time. So I'm super, super excited about this movie. Um, Again, the first Gladiator was so perfect and this sequel was was not needed. But the fact that it's Ridley Scott who also wrote, wrote and developed the story and now he's returning to direct excites me a lot. And it, it's when it comes to a director like Ridley Scott, who's one of the best of the best like he's dedicating years of his life to bring this story to life so he must feel compelled by it and if really Scott feels compelled by it then I'm willing to bet it's going to be a damn great story so another thing too dude Barry Keoghan it lo- he, he's playing general geta and it looks like he's going to be like the villain of the movie that's what I'm guessing um but Barry Keoghan playing the villain of Gladiator 2 and seeing him go up against Paul Mescal who's like the hero of this movie Ooh! That's gonna be hype.
1: It's gonna be spicy, dog. It's gonna be saucy. Listen to me. I, I think we're starting to see a trend, man. Especially after Top Gun Maverick. I think we're gonna start to see a trend of these big name directors and writers who made these classics that haven't had sequels. I think if this movie lands, we're gonna see a trend. It's gonna we're gonna start seeing it all the time. Like major movies that that really don't need a sequel are gonna start getting them if it lands. Because Dude,
0: I feel like, I feel like that's been a that's been a trend for so long. Because especially post pandemic, like a lot of studios are
1: relying on like franchises and legacy sequels. But here's the thing: a lot of them flopped. A lot of them didn't make money. A lot of them got bad critic reviews. The Top Gun Maverick was really the only one that nobody was like, "What? Why are we getting this?" And it came out, be like, "Oh my god, this is one of the best movies I've seen in years." So, mm-hmm. if this one does that as well. Like, why are we getting the Gladiator 2? And it comes out and it, it's coming out award season and they know what they're doing. They know what they're prepping for. You know what I mean? If this lands, this is all we're going to start getting. And, I, and I'm and i not Ooh. mad at it. I'm not mad at it, man. I want to see I want to see the classics come back. I want to see cinema come back. A movie feeling like a movie. You know what I mean?
0: Yo, and when it comes to Barry Keoghan playing uh, the villain, like, because that's what I think he's playing. General Geddes sounds like. Uh, a villain, and it feels like he's going to be like. It would just be smart to have Barry Keoghan go up against Paul Mescal, or vice versa. And dude, it, it reminds me like uh, the first Gladiator movie. It, it sent Joaquin Phoenix into stardom because he was so great as uh, Commodus, General Commodus, or Emperor Commodus, and he was so menacing. And he just brought he brought out such. A, he was just so easy to hate. You know, he was such a great villain. And I think this is truly going to be Barry Keoghan's like breakout performance in terms of like just being such a great villain because Barry Keoghan has proven to be, you know, a, a supreme actor with, you know, obviously his performance in Ban- Banshees of Anishirin, Um, also in Eternals. He Matt Reeves obviously saw greatness in Barry in casting him as his Joker starring opposite of Robert Pattinson. And we'll probably see him in the Batman part two. But we're getting we're going to be getting Gladiator 2 before the Batman Part 2. And I think that's going to be the movie where we're we're really going to see Barry Keoghan just like settle in as just a great menacing villain. And that'll also translate to when we see him return as the Joker in the future. But yeah, it's it's interesting to see like Joaquin Phoenix, who also played the Joker, be like a super scary villain and have... The, the first Gladiator movie be that movie that really sent him into stardom. Now, I feel like history is repeating itself with another Joker actor and Barry Keoghan having Gladiator 2 be the movie that really solidifies him as just a great villain that we can see in, you know, the Batman Part 2 and in other movies, probably.
1: Yeah, and Barry, let's face it, there's no way he's going to be a hero. That guy's got a villain look on him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Nothing against the guy, but He's going to be the villain. We all know it.
0: Like, I could already see, like, this is just me speculating, complete speculation. But I can already see Denzel Washington probably playing, like, an old, wise, like, warrior or, like, mentor to Paul Mescal's uh, Lucius character. And, like, just him giving the craziest speech to him right before he heads into battle, or Do something crazy. You know what I'm saying?
1: Peak cinema. Cinema is back on the menu, boys. Yeah, it's back on the menu. Speaking of that menu, that's another good movie, by the way. The menu on HBO.
0: The menu is really
1: good. Very, very good movie. But no, bro, I'm I'm actually, I'm really excited to see like, especially especially after awards, right? Especially after the Oscars. It's cool to see Hollywood kind of go back to its roots. Does that make any sense? Like movies are starting to go back to where they were because it feels like for a long time, like still to this day, people are IP chasing, trying to make money, obviously. But it feels like movies are starting to feel... Like they used to.
0: Yeah, I I just think there's room for all of it. You know what I'm saying? There's room for legacy sequels. Obviously, there's room for new new films that you know we've never even dreamt of or thought of and just are completely out of nowhere that's where we get great things like everything everywhere all at once something that is just so different from any anything that's been done in the past so when it comes to just cinema and the hollywood landscape like there's room for all of it man there's room for superhero films there's room for legacy sequels there, there's room from you know small indie films there's room for All of it, man. And guess what? When it comes to Gladiator 2 coming out November 22nd, 2024, I am damn hyped for this movie. Paul Mescal, Barry Keoghan, and now Denzel Washington, all assembling under the helm of Ridley Scott, one of the greatest directors of all time. So with that being said, Gio, do you have any final thoughts before we end today's pod? How was your trip to Denver? Dude, it was fantastic. So, yeah, guys, I mentioned this on the last podcast, but... Uh, Josh and I went to Colorado for a couple of days and dude, it was so great. I've never seen like crazy, crazy snow like that. And I went skiing for the first time. Josh went snowboarding for the first time and it was a great trip. Again, we ha- we got such great footage. Um, we're going to be uploading content to that from that trip over here on the or over there on my soups YouTube channel. So make sure to subscribe to that channel and stay tuned for that. But with that being said, guys, thank you for tuning into the let's go show episode 11. Uh, Again, episodes drop every Saturday, so stay tuned. We'll see you next Saturday. We love you so much, and we'll see you guys next time.